Hello, it's Raynal again. Um, I know it's been a little bit, but life has been a little bit crazy with this whole coronavirus outbreak um, and life being totally changed over from where it used to be. I mean, this is freaking ridiculous that um, now we're stuck at home, um, schools are closing, well, are closed, have been for a while. Um, businesses are closed, all, everything's non-essential versus essential, and, oh, man, <laughs> it is a time that I never thought that I would see in my lifetime. It is a major change from everything that we have ever known. Um, I think it's definitely opened up the eyes to people that are not used to actually seeing where the important things are. So, agriculture, for example, I'm huge in the agricultural world and people talk about needing their food and what's the food systems and what's the industries and well, um, farmers don't stop just because people get sick. You know, we've got to make sure the crops are coming off the fields. We've got to make sure they get into their, um, into the shipments. We also have to make sure that all of our animals are taken care of. Now, I know the dairy industry is having a huge issue with all of this because they're worried about the milk supply. I don't think the milk supply has dropped any, so I'm actually surprised that the dairy industry is having problems. But that's what I've heard from fellow uh, farmers through the grapevine. So um, life has been a little distracting, and since I've been home with my kids and the babysitter more, while I'm also working from home... Um, it's been a little bit harder to make any sort of recordings, and so this is why it's been actually almost three, maybe four weeks since I've put anything out. Uh, and I've actually been extremely busy, um, just daily life that I haven't had a chance to even sit down and read anything lately, especially with my favorite book that I've been working through, um, the one I've mentioned before, Crystal Paganism with the Higginbotham authors. So I had a moment this morning, I got up earlier and the twins are still sleeping, there's nobody home but me, and I can have a sit down and just take a few moments and think about what I need to do. Uh, my life has actually changed a little bit too. I woke up one morning a couple of days ago and decided I want to work out. And it was just click, snap. So I got on a couple of apps. Um, I do have a Fitbit, so that's been very helpful in keeping track of things. And um, I also joined yes.fit. Um, and actually, it's virtual racing, and so I've completed a couple of races. I'm working on my third, so that actually has been a good push for me, and I have more energy in the mornings. I'm getting up earlier, I'm watching what I'm eating, and it's been very helpful, actually. So there's going to be a clip, and that is actually going to be from beginning of the month when we had the massive, super full moon um was it the worm moon, I believe? Um, it was a very interesting time for me. And that still stuck with me. I've tried to go back into my spirit world a couple of times and talk to her. But um, that hasn't happened just yet. I get so tired when I go to bed at night. I'm, I just, I'm out. I'm done. And I haven't had time for anything else, That's I've, as I said before. So I'm going to put that clip in here. And then we're going to mention a little bit more about the Christopaganism. Um, a little bit about interspirituality, um, what's positive for it, what's detrimental about it. And I want to read off some questions that the book offers. So, thanks. Hey, it's Raynal. 
I don't know if everybody does meditations or if you have some sort of spirit world that you mentally go to. Um, if you do it in a circle, if you do it before you go to sleep, if you do it when you get up in the mornings. If I can't get a circle in, what I tend to do is I wait until before I go to bed. Um, unfortunately, I tend to fall asleep a lot easier that way. And I don't get to talk to my spirit guides or the gods or goddesses that I'm working with over different things. <clears throat> but last night, being the worm moon and the super full moon... I had massive problems trying to get to sleep and staying asleep. So when I got up in the middle of the night, <clears throat> I uh, did my meditation trying to help myself fall asleep. And instead, I got to meet with somebody. So when I start my meditations, what I do is I tend to visualize nets running through the body, trying to collect any spare energy or excess energy that might be running either through the limbs or through my torso or um, just kind of free floating around somewhere in there. Uh, and it's all visualization effects. But as I visualize the nets running up my legs, I typically can actually feel something moving up my leg. It's kind of weird that way, but it's, it's actually legit how it feels. When it all collects up at the top of the base of my neck, that's when in my head I start to visualize it all the energy coming together in like a piece of string there might be pieces here and there and they just instantly mold together and then when I get up to that point where all of the energy is collected then what I do is I use that energy to go into my spirit what I call my spirit realm um, I have two levels to it, and one um, is a house. It's a house. Um, in my brain, it's more of a mansion because I love mansions. But I won't describe all of it because it's mine. But when I got there yesterday or last night, not only was Odin there, but a female figure showed up. And I had to ask her who she was. And when I had problems looking at her, trying to figure out what her appearance was, um, I said, I can't see you. And she says, it's not me, that's you. You need to focus. So knowing what Odin looked like before, in my version of Odin with me is not the typical version with an eye patch. He's much younger he does not have an eye patch. He's wearing light armor. Um, other times he's showed up in a suit. Um, but he still has kind of that tousled hair look. Um, actually, he looks like a Thor in the Marvel movies. But he's Odin. Um, and so once I got that started, I actually could start to see her face. And I've been doing a lot of Googling this morning trying to find a face that fits into what I saw so I could accurately describe it. And it's definitely a very female face. Um, 
And the closest that I got to was the Jamie Lee Curtis and Scarlett Johansson. Jamie Lee Curtis's face is actually too long, where Scarlett Johansson's is just a titch too narrow in the chin. But there's another actress, and I can't remember her name, her face is very similar, but not the beaky nose where it comes out to a point and slopes upwards and then gives you that little, the septum crevices at the bottom. So that doesn't even fit either. <clears throat> but that to me is what this goddess looked like. Um, she had every color strand of hair. Red, the blacks, browns, blondes. Um, it was it was every color you could think of. Other every natural color. Her eyes um, were divided colors, so kind of like a, a pinwheel or a flywheel, where there were blocks of color rather than interspersed together. So maybe a quarter of it was, or a third of it was blue, and a third of it was green, and a third of it was brown. Um, and it was just like she encompassed every characteristic aspect that you could decide to. Um, except for the facial figures, you know, that was all the same. She wore a generalized outfit, um, purple in color, dress with kind of a body, um, not body rig, the... The bodice pieces where they would actually, you know, suck them up tight in the old days. And I can't think of what they're called right now. With bell sleeves and flowing down into very much like the elven dresses off of Lord of the Rings. Where it just kind of melds with the body out and down to the hip and then outwards. And I think for the wedding dresses they would call them a mermaid dress. But it's not quite the mermaid style either. Um, and when I asked her who she was, she says that she was Ashira. The duality that I had just... The duality deity that I had just decided upon, yes, the day before. Um, and I talked to her about a lot of the different questions with the different questions that I had and Odin would just sit there and he was looking at her with a love but not with a love of like a man to a woman but a son to a mother and I asked her specifically who is the almighty is it Odin is it um, Kronos? Is it another god of a pantheon that I am not familiar with? And she says, the Almighty is the Father, the creator of what you know of. Okay. She says, Odin and a lot of those other pantheons, they are seen as the All-Fathers, because the pantheons of those um, creations 
no, of those um, groups of people don't know anything above and beyond of those gods that they know of. When those pantheons were starting to come into creation in the minds of people, it was the All-Father, the Almighty, and Ashira who would birth the gods and goddesses into creation. Um, And so that would explain why Odin was looking at her from a, a son to a mother aspect rather than a man to a woman aspect. So I asked her other different questions. Um, One of them being why did the Christians write her out of the Bible? And her biggest answer to that was men fear the men feared women. They didn't want women to have power. They didn't want women to have rights, freedom, um, the ability to control. And I think part of that stems out from if you're in a a man and woman relationship and it may be similar in a uh, of a male of two guys or two girls but in a man and a woman relationship with my husband, he's always telling me, I do everything for you. I do everything to make you happy. I do everything because if I make you happy, then I feel complete. So maybe a part of that is is that men fear the power that women have over them just in an everyday life. That men of power don't want women or don't believe women can have that level of, of power in any other aspect of their lives. But that's what she, she told me was that, that men feared women having power and with her being in the bible it didn't allow for them to be able to control the masses and that she had less pull in the bible and they could destroy the duality that was already written into it so that explained a lot more to me on that aspect of it Um, and now mind you I fell asleep after all this so I'm trying to remember all the other questions that I had asked her but those were the two biggest ones Um, the other ones that I asked were kind of minor they were personal about you know how can I represent her on on my own altars once I start putting my altar back together Um, because my family doesn't know that I've decided to go crystal pagan so I'm still kind of in the broom closet on the pagan part of it um, so now with going the cold crystal pagan, you know, my husband's more comfortable about having crosses around and my mother will love having more of the Christian effect in my house versus the pagan aspects that she sees on the shelves right now with the incenses and the stones and the books that are and the candles that are increasing. Um, and she says, all I need is a motherly aspect so I I'm thinking if I just keep looking for one of those like a stone not a stone a statue or not um, 
those like chimney pieces that like people like to put on the on their shelves and around the um, chimney mantles of like a mother hugging a child. And if actually if you're going with a Catholic route, that would look like Mary holding Jesus. But that's not that's not what I'm going to be looking for. But just a mother loving a child or a mother a mother's love. Um, while discussing what there, the scent of sandalwood came across very strongly. And when I asked her about how to represent her in other aspects, she says, do you smell it? And I said, yes, it's, it's sandalwood. And I, I got that part, which is very funny because the other day I was out at Lilydale and I was picking up more incense and I wanted something different other than the dark champa that my husband loves to burn. Um, and I actually picked up sandalwood because I was like, oh, well, that's got to be different. It's not our typical. It's not um, dragon's blood. It's not nakchapa. It's um, a scent we haven't been burning in the house lately. And maybe that's why it came across. But this actual smell of sandalwood came through. So I actually had to think about it. So what is that smell? And and then the name popped in my head, and I was like, okay, weird. Um, and when I asked her about what plant or an herb or something that I can use, it's holly. As in, like, a Christmas holly wreath. Or, like, the, the pointed, pointed leaves and the red berries. Holly. Okay. And the color purple. So, for my altar, that's what I'm going to end up doing, is a motherly figure with a bit of purple wrapped around the, the figure, and when I need to call on her directly, it's going to be with um, sandalwood and some holly leaves. So now I gotta look up some holly aspects and try to make sure I'm not burning anything that's gonna release any toxins. Because I don't know anything about holly, but I do know there are plants out there that will um, release toxins when burnt or dried or such. So, but I do know the berries are poisonous. So yeah, that's that. That was very interesting last night. Um, and again, I don't know how how much of it is legit versus not legit, but I, I don't know how a lot of this gods and goddesses things works and how you call upon and how you know they're talking to you and how you know that um, who they are is actually who they say they are. And I do believe it is Odin that talks with me because... He's shown me various aspects and various sides. Everything he says is legit. About the time that he came around, um, all the signs were pointing that it is actually Odin um, versus, you know, with the money books that I was looking for, it was always Odin. Um, different signs with the birds. So, like I said, I do believe it's actually Odin. I'm a little nervous about just suddenly deciding that this is a Shira in my belief system, and now all of a sudden, now she's visiting me. Like, I don't, don't know if it's my head playing with me or if it's legit. 
but I'm going to go with it. Um, because either way, I am finding peace at what I am doing. I don't feel awkward. I don't feel out of sorts. I'm, I'm nervous that my head's playing with my, my heart and my spirituality. But I don't have anything else against that or anything saying that I'm wrong. Um, but we'll see. So that's cool. <laughs> Purple, sandalwood, and holly. I don't know how that all fits together. But that's what it is. So. so you've heard my um, stories. Well, my story. But my um, meeting with Ashira. And the different representations that I've seen. That I saw when I spoke with her. Um, so I'm really going to get into that in the next segment. I found some stuff on Holly. It's very interesting. Um, it, that the meaning behind the plant is actually very, very much more um, explainative onto why it's represented of her. So I'll get into that in a different episode um, or the next segment that I'm going to work on. But like I said, I wanted to say something about the interspirituality. The book Christopaganism brought into a good question of what's your opinion of interspirituality? And the biggest part of it that I um, feel that it's a really good description to explain the difference um, for the combination of Christianity and paganism. Um, is they're two very unconventional religions, and it really is possible to bring those two together. I think the problem is, is a lot of people have the inability to believe that they are um, possible to combine they, they seem to be two very specific religions or belief systems that you could never you know one's one road and one is the other road and there's no way that you could believe put them two together but you really can um you have to have a very strong solid um belief foundation and i think that's part of where i'm starting to um have a better foundation with having the Almighty and Ashira both being pretty steady and being the my two main gods and goddesses in this whole belief, then figuring out where the pantheons fall into underneath of that has been a lot easier um, to sit in my, I guess in my book, that this is where my spiritual route is going down. Um, and what's positive about interspirituality is that we make it our own spirit journey. I decide my beliefs and people can decide theirs. Um, it is a sharing of traditions, a blending of these traditions and practices of these two religions. Um, there's going to be a lot of interfaith dialogue. I'm hoping that people would be willing to reach out and talk about their ideas and their opinions on this. Or if not, you have your own that you sit back in home and you listen to and you go, God, she's crazier. Yeah, well, maybe I could think about that. I totally get it. Um, on the proper recognition, it requires people to have a developed the capacity to see and appreciate the interconnectedness of our human experiences. So everybody's got money. Everybody goes to the store. 
what we get when we get there is totally different. I may go for something else than somebody, what somebody else is going for. Or we may grab the same thing, but other things we have in our baskets are different. And so it's kind of like the idea that I have this religion and I'm choosing these things where maybe you have a couple of the same, maybe not. You know, it's it's whole different on what our experiences are versus when I get home or what I have going on in my life versus your own. <clears throat> the book brought up a couple of points where it would encourage dialogue and possibly lead to global understanding and lowering of global tensions. Let me expand on that a little bit here. If I can find the segment in the book... Um, Beyond a recognition of humanity's common experience and connectedness, interspirituality promotes values that can help create help humanity create a joyful and sustainable future. It encourages dialogue among people and groups and may help lead to global understanding and the lowering of global tensions. The lowering of global tensions can lead, in turn, to better decision-making, better allocation of resources, preservation of the environment, and reduction of war. In general, in Inter-spirituality promotes values that have the potential to bring human beings to greater appreciation of each other and more cooperative interaction. So it kind of explains that if we can get people to just believe in inter-spirituality, not in a Christo-pagan sense, in a general religion sense, that um, religions are more connected than we could ever believe that maybe we can get people to just understand we are each our own. And if we learn to respect one human versus another, we don't need to try to be killing each other over our different wars of religion and, you know, different things that's going on in this place. I mean, we've been having a war here in the United States against people overseas in the third world countries um, in the Middle East over religions and how people want to run their countries. And it's been going on for almost 20 years, I want to say. Um, at least 10. Okay, I can at least say it's been 10 years. Since 2001. Okay, so now it's 2020. So, uh, almost 20 years. We've been having our people overseas fighting in the Middle East. And it's not our war. It's not our battle. I understand it's to make sure we have stability on our side of things. But still, I don't think it's necessary. And the last part is it promotes values that have the potential to bring human beings together. Well, I've already mentioned that part of it. To a greater appreciation of each other and more cooperative interaction. The other question of what is detrimental to this is... The problem with interspirituality is there can be a lack of pre-ready belief foundation to guide those who are not willing to reach out to try to find their own belief foundations. I went out looking for my own belief foundation. I figured out what I needed, who I needed, what I was looking to find to believe to help my own belief systems. Those who can't do that, it's not going to work for them. If you are not willing to go out there and looking for what you need, you're not going to find it. It does require people to grow into recognition 
through interconnectedness of this human experience. If people aren't willing to try to understand each other or learn to respect, such as the problem we have nowadays, they're never going to get it. It's not going to happen. And in choosing interspirituality, it requires us to be responsible for ourselves, our beliefs, and to understand both sides of it. And those that are not going to, again, are not going to get it at all. A couple of other different questions that come up is, are you comfortable or uncomfortable with interspirituality, with blended traditions? Why or why not am I? Would I ever get involved in interspiritual efforts or dialogue? Um, I'm extremely comfortable with it, obviously, because I'm talking about it now. And it's what I'm experiencing. And it's what I'll always experience. All our traditions are blended already with Christ Christianity and paganism because Christianity took a lot of old pagan traditions and mixed them with the different um, major holidays of the worlds, or um, not the worlds, of the year. Um, but to be involved with other efforts and dialogue really depends on where that's going to be. My knowledge depth is not very deep right now with it, and I'm still learning. And I want to make sure I have the aptitude to be able to accurately portray the information that I need to. Sometimes, obviously, words don't work well for me, such as corset that I couldn't remember in the last segment, but I have no problem remembering it today. Um, would I ever blend different religion practices with my spirituality? Well, I actually already am. So that's the reason why I'm reading said book. The other question is, have you ever attended a service or ceremony in which different traditions were represented and shared their beliefs and practices? No, because there's no location in, in my segment of the world, my little section of the world, that has anything like this. We have one of those all-spiritual churches, but I don't think that they would take to this very well. And I've never been there. I think my husband went once, and he was like, yeah, not really. And I was like, okay, no big deal. But the funny thing is, is, my husband wants to buy an old church at some point, which I don't think will ever happen, because we don't live in an area where a church just randomly comes up for sale, except in the next county over, and it has nothing that we could do with, because we're all financially, everybody's financially strapped right now. Um, but he wants a church to convert to his own pagan, not really a coven, but like a pagan place of worship. So people can just go and do what they want. You know, we could hold circles and we could set up our own symbolisms and different things. So it'd be kind of cool. Maybe I can get him to do something around our own location, which we have yet to set up our outdoor altar. Do you agree or disagree that beliefs and belief systems are constructed? What efforts... What effect do you think it would have on reality and your life choices if the opposite of your opinion were true? If my opinion and belief systems were false and the complete opposite was the actual um, thing, I don't know what would happen. Um, I know my whole belief system would break down. I probably would repel against it at first, going, no, no, it's not true, you can't make me. But then the end of it would probably be like, okay, so teach me. Why was I wrong? Why Why is it the other way? And I do have a rebellion side, so it's totally possible for that to happen. But 
you know, eventually I, I, I give in just because I, I don't have the energy to keep fighting for a much longer period of time. But do I do agree or disagree that belief systems are constructed? Um, I really don't have an answer for that question, only because some of these religions are just so bold. And to try to believe that they're constructed versus what happened, what made people believe or create these beliefs and these religions. I mean, we're talking about people that are much less educated than we are now. Finding these these pantheons of, of gods and goddesses, um, creating these religious practices. I mean, if you want to talk about Aztecs and Mayans, they were throwing people into burning pits of volcanoes as um, sacrifices to their gods. And people were willing, sometimes probably unwilling, but it was it was going on and some of the things that people would do for religion is just crazy. So that's why I'm not exactly sure if whether I believe that they're constructed or maybe, like I said before in a previous segment, maybe there was something actual to this. Maybe the gods are asleep right now or they're waiting for us to get out of our childhood stages of, I can do it myself. And just going on and saying, okay, you know, you guys are going to hit a time period where you're going to need us, and then they're going to come down and go, wham, here we are. So, I'm not exactly sure on that part of it, but we'll see what happens. Um, so when I get to talking about holly and purple and sandalwood, I also want to talk a little bit about the nature of belief, which is another part of the book. Um, and then learning to take an inventory of our beliefs and what we believe in. Our paganism versus our Christianity versus the combination of, or your own version of your, your Wiccan views, if you're listening. But that's a little bit for me to just add on here and keep track of. Thanks, guys. And um, please don't be judgy.